Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective. Uh, we're going to be talking about the latest from a little little known guy named Donald Trump, who you may have heard of. Uh, we got uh, a clip to play and we're going to analyze it and talk about it. Uh, I'm actually a little bit less outraged than a lot of people by this particular statement by Trump. But uh, as the name of this episode, as well as um, the green room discussion with uh, today's guest host uh, indicates, I think uh, we're definitely going to hear the anti-Trump perspective on this. Let's meet him, shall we? Please give a warm welcome to returning guest host, James Valiant. Hey, how you doing, Rucka? Pretty, pretty good. Um, now let's jump right into this and everybody uh, leave a like on the video, leave a, send us a super chat, you know, hit the join button. Come on guys. It's, it's, it's this or absolute death and destruction. It seems like, all right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's play the clip. Right. Easily made public, you know, in this country, they leak all over the place, even on the Supreme court, by the way, you have to find the leaker of the Supreme court. You have to find the leaker. You know how you find the leaker? They'll say, oh, this is treasonous, what I said. So they can't find the leaker. He leaked all about Roe v. Wade. Look, this person leaked from the Supreme Court, never happened. You know how you find? But they don't want to mention this because they think it's so terrible. You take the writer, because you're never going to find it. They're going through phone records. It's been a long time. You take the writer and or the publisher of the paper, a certain paper that you know, and you say, who is the leaker? national security and they say we're not going to tell you they say it's okay you're going to jail and when this person realizes that he is going to be the bride of another prisoner very shortly he will say i'd very much like to uh, tell you exactly who that leaker it was bill jones i swear he's a leaker and we got him but they don't want to do that they don't want to do that, but that's the only way you're going to find. We have to find. Can you imagine they leak? OK, so uh, he's talking about the leaked Supreme Court decision or the leaked Supreme Court documents that gave everybody a heads up that Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned. And that would, I guess, help the pro-abortion people galvanize and mobilize in order to get the voters out. I guess that was the uh, su supposed benefit of leaking that document. Leaking that document is highly uh, unheard of or unusual and leaking a, a document from the Supreme Court, unprecedented and very illegal. Um, so let me say this. Obviously, that's a very crass way for Trump to put it, talking about prison brides and all of that. Uh, however, I mean, people do get subpoenaed, right? I mean, Trump, of all people, knows that subpoenas are a thing these days. So. I mean, for him to just say, basically, we're going to subpoena the journalists, say, let, let's put it this way. If if uh, if a heinous crime were in question here or terrorism was 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 about to take place and we needed information desperately in order to either punish or prevent an enormous crime. I think people say, yeah, yeah, get the journalists, get whoever has information and get the information out of them. So in this case, if 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 leaking a Supreme Court document is highly illegal, then can't the government subpoena a journalist? And in that respect isn't trump just basically saying we're going to subpoena the journalist that is a complex question for the government employee in this case for the supreme court clerk let's assume it was or some kind of supreme court employee who had the inside information on the decision earlier this year certainly there are rules and more than that the clerk uh, who did this let's assume it was a clerk uh he or she himself is subject to legal uh discipline 
maybe never getting their legal license at all uh, or, or being banned from the profession. Uh, but there can also be all kinds of rules. For example, if it were a national security uh, case and someone from the military or the CIA were to leak some national security secret, the government employee can not only be fired, sanctioned, he can get criminal sanctions, but that makes a good deal of sense, doesn't it? If you're entrusted with government secrets and you violate the condition of your employment by leaking those secrets, it seems to me you are legally on the hook and on the hook in any number of other ways, properly so. In this case, we're talking about people who don't work for the government, private American citizens, reporters who have freedom of the press and freedom of speech, and they're simply reporting information that they got from someone else. Now, if it's a case where we want to find out about the leaker because he or she may have committed a crime, can we then call the reporter who's surely a witness on this case? Well, we have in America such a thing as a reporter's privilege that, report, that refers to the uh, reporter's sources. And if he has confidential sources on a matter of relevance to the American people, that is a privilege. So just as when you go to a doctor or you go to a priest and you give them confidential information, if the other side wants to call your doctor or your priest, you can say objection. There's a privilege, a medical privilege. Even if the doctor has relevant information to the case, he can't give it because I told the doctor that in confidence. A, a similar privilege works, although it's less absolute a privilege than you'd say your doctor privilege. It's a limited privilege. In 1972, the United States Supreme Court, uh, in a case called Brandsburg, uh, was heavily divided on this, mind you. But there appears to be a limited um, privilege, a limited right of reporters to collect information in a confidential way. The Supreme Court was divided on it, and they said that there were limitations to that. For example, if we were at war and some reporter gave some major information about when D-Day is, you know, when we're going to invade Normandy in, in, right back at the end of World War II, that would be uh, something you could get the reporter to cough up, legally speaking, with a subpoena. But in most many cases, now most states have laws, reporter shield laws uh, in the United States, and most federal circuits uh, recognize a privilege uh, to reporter sources. So what Donald Trump here is advocating is a system in which the uh, reporter would also go to jail. Now, that is a disturbing thing. Reporters should have freedom of press, freedom of speech. They, and in my view, in many cases, should be allowed, if not most cases, should be allowed to keep their sources confidential. Because after all, they're telling the American people important information about what their government is doing. You, uh, let me put it the, conversely. Does the government have a right to keep secret what it's doing in most cases? No, no. We have a right to know what the government's doing. Let's take another case. Edward Snowden. I mean, the National Security Agency for many years was collecting information on U.S. citizens, domestic information, which is not their job. And President Barack Obama himself repeatedly assured the American people that the National Security Agency was not collecting data on American citizens. Poor Edward Snowden was a whistleblower. So in that case, our leaker here is a hero as far as I'm concerned. He's telling us uh, some information that the government is actually lying to us about when it's spying on us. Now, a, a leak, so what a leaker is, is even in the eye of the beholder. Is he a benevolent whistleblower or is he or she uh, really violating some national security thing that could jeopardize uh, uh, America's national security? Seems to me that's a relevant line. And a leaking this 
a case that what the Supreme Court's going to do about abortion doesn't seem to me to be such a national security matter that we'd throw the reporter, a private citizen, in prison for doing his job of telling us what the Supreme Court's going to do. The reporter's innocently telling the America what he knows. He's just doing his job. And if it really isn't, you know, revealing D-Day, the secrets of D-Day right before D-Day, then the reporter should, in my view, be free to do that. Otherwise, how else is the, Ameri the American people going to find out? Um, that's my summary. Now, of course, I can't help but notice that Donald Trump is salivating and rubbing his hands with glee over the idea that political uh, uh, opponents of his, even private reporters, could go to jail with the threat of getting raped in jail. Uh, that I find disgusting, frankly. I mean, uh, we agree about the way Trump speaks and his his uh, affinity for dictatorship and uh, his statements and remarks over the years that imply he would like to be dictator. But in this case, um, the journalist, he wasn't saying throw the journalist in jail for leaking this. He was saying subpoena, it sounded like. It sounded like a, fan, a, a, a street language way of saying, we're going to subpoena this because there was a crime that took place. And it's not an issue of, of national security in the same way as like a war or, or terrorist threat, but it's uh, the integrity of the court is obviously, or I think it's obviously being uh, chipped away at when, when we have activists. So, I mean, even if in this case, we agree with the activists or we, we share the pro-abortion attitude, nonetheless, it, this, is, this is chipping away at the integrity of the court. And because it's so illegal, maybe, Maybe Trump is correct to say that this uh, journalist should be subpoenaed to get the information. Again, not throw him in jail for leaking it, but subpoena and get and find out who leaked it. Well, what's a subpoena? A subpoena is a threat of jail if you don't tell us the information we've ordered you to tell us. So the subpoena says you got to come to court, Rucka, and you got to tell us what you know about this. So a subpoena is a, a gun, a legal gun pointed at your head. Cough up the information. So uh, Donald Trump is saying, use the force of law against the reporter, threaten him with jail. And Donald Trump could not have been more clear in that clip we just heard. If the reporter gets subpoenaed, gets pulled before a grand jury or uh, into some other court proceeding and doesn't tell us who the government leaker was, we threaten the reporter with jail and with rape in jail, by the way, which Donald Trump seems happy to have happen. Uh, uh, now, uh, it's true. I happen to think that this leak was awful, unprecedented. Whoever from the Supreme Court, or uh, I'm presuming it was an employee of the Supreme Court because they are the only ones that probably had this information, uh, whoever it was should be sanctioned, should never be a lawyer. They, they maybe even they can go to jail as far as I'm concerned. The reporter who's t doing their job and telling us what this employee said, protecting their source and saying, well, I'm not gonna tell you who told me this, if they can't protect their source, then the American people maybe won't get the information. Um, and so threatening the reporter with prison, which is in effect what a subpoena is, a subpoena says you are ordered to tell and cough up that information. And if you don't comply with the subpoena, you are in contempt of court and can get thrown in jail. Are there situations where it would be proper to uh, subpoena a, a reporter and say, give us your sources, let's say in case of a war or terrorism or children are kidnapped and the clock is ticking, something like that. Exactly correct. And that's why in the 1972 Supreme Court case, the court was so heavily divided. On the one hand, we recognize freedom of speech is important. And to some extent, we will recognize that a reporter's gathering of information is itself specially protected. 
the collecting of the information by the reporter has a certain degree of protection, says the Supreme Court. Now, what the exact parameters of that are is unclear. And as I say, most states and most federal circuits do recognize a reporter's source privilege in the United States today. Um, so uh, there is a line where it would be where there's a limitation. Yeah, absolutely. If someone's life is, you know, if there's a clock ticking and there's someone's life at risk, or if there's a, a real national security issue, a spy whose uh, life is maybe in danger in China or Russia or something, uh, uh, or if there's like information about D-Day, like I say, a military secret, I would certainly say there that the overriding interest is national security. On the other hand, if it is a normal case, even in the Edward Snowden case, which you might say is national security, American people are being spied on there. There is no active war <laughs> that we're talking about here, at least none that the American government was really, really fighting <laughs> ever on the topic. Uh, there, the leaker is, in my view, a heroic whistleblower. So what we, what, like I say, what's a leaker to one person might be a heroic whistleblower to another. And that has to be decided, I, I do agree, on a case-by-case -case basis in court. Um, but we do need rational, objective rules about this that would lay this out with greater clarity than the cur current law has. On the other hand, it seems that Trump would ignore even the existing law, even the existing Supreme Court indication that uh, reporters have this privilege. And certainly he's uh, apparently an enemy of all these reporter shield laws that America has that protect reporter sources. Uh, Donald Trump hates his enemies in the media. He made that quite clear. Uh, he wouldn't know, he's no defender, as you point out, he's no defender of freedom. Uh, he wouldn't know a right if it bit him in the rear end. And uh, here we have Donald Trump absolutely salivating and rubbing his hands with glee at the idea that private reporters would be sent to jail uh, who were, were even leaking true information, mind you, that was that he didn't like, say about a Supreme Court decision or some case against him. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think Donald Trump has been a victim himself of all kinds of wrongdoing by the Democratic Party, and they would want to do even more in restricting his freedom, throw all his friends in jail, too. It's a, a, a sad state of affairs that America is reaching, where each side now seems to be advocating throwing their political opponents in jail. You know, there used to be a concept when I was growing up called political prisoner. And when a government was throwing people in prison just for their political ideas, because the government in power opposed them, we said that was a bad thing. Uh, America is fast approaching a world in which they will soon have a host of political prisoners, depending on which government is in power. We're, America is uh, slowly becoming a fascist third world um, dictatorship, in my view. Uh, and this is one uh, canary in the coal mine uh, on that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Trump's language and his behavior on this is very concerning. The fact that people are supportive of the way he speaks. I mean, it's it's mind blowing when you just when you step away and realize like a former president and possibly a future president is speaking this way about journalists getting raped in jail. It's absolutely uh, it's comical in the scary way, because a lot of dictators are funny, like they're like uh, Hugo oh, Chavez yeah. and uh, you know, people like they're 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 like cruelly they're cruel they're funny in a cruel way and uh, they know how to like deflect. It's so there's there's a lot of Trump bashing to be had, but I want to ask a um, uh, uh, challenge. I, I want to challenge what, what you're saying again in in this way. Like, do you think someone who shares your view could could disagree about the severity 
of the Supreme Court leak? Like, could someone who generally agrees with you still think that the leaking of that document is as serious, it's a serious enough crime to warrant that sort of overriding interest principle where the journalist needs to be subpoenaed and and asked, who's your source? Why not? What or how, when when is it right to subpoena journalists? Well, take this case, for example, the Supreme Court leak. Um, the Supreme Court was going to rule on it in June, and we learned about it a couple months earlier. That's the big difference. Two, learning about the outcome that was already in the can two months before it came out. Is that such a national security issue that you think a reporter deserves to go to jail on? Or is that a heads up to the American people about what really hap- is happening in government? It seems to me that in that case, there's clearly no national security issue. It was just an earlier heads up on a Supreme Court decision that was going to come out a couple months anyway. To put a reporter in jail under those circumstances, in my view, would be outrageous. There is no justification for putting a reporter in jail. See, I happen to agree that the, that the Supreme Court decision was a travesty. I disagree with the outcome in that. So, uh, it's But it's not my sympathy, let's put it that way, with the with the problem, we don't even know who did it, but I'm assuming that it was some someone who had shared my view and who did the leak. But it's not my sympathy with that person because it's still wrong to do the leak. If I were that person, I would expect some sanction. I would expect to never become a lawyer if they ever found that ab- about me. It is wrong. If it was a Supreme Court clerk who did it, that person should never be a lawyer and they should have rules that protect the Supreme Court's confidentiality. In my view, Supreme Court confidentiality was more important when it comes to that person who leaked it. When it comes to the reporter, I cannot imagine the justification uh, for putting a report, threatening a reporter with jail for simply telling, giving us a two month heads up on what we were gonna inevitably find out anyway. But again, it's not that the reporter is being is going to be thrown in jail for leaking the for passing along the information. It's that now that the information is out, uh, Trump is saying basically subpoena the journalist to find out who leaked it to him. And, and, and what probably subpoena, in- a subpoena is a court order, a court order to cough up the information. And if you don't give us that, that's right. So if you don't comply with a court order, a subpoena, you can go to jail. So when he says subpoena, he's threatening jail if you don't give us the information. That's what that subpoena means. Yes, but he's not saying throw him in jail just for leaking the doc, like for passing along what the whistleblower told him. He's saying we need to we need to catch the 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 leaker. So it's for keeping the his key source confidential. It's for not answering the question. In other words, where did you get this information in this news story? I'm not going to tell you. But the subpoena says you have to come into court and tell us that. And if you don't tell us your source, you go to jail. So it's the source. It's not revealing the source. But of course, if he didn't, if he can't keep his source confidential, then the report would never have happened. You see, the idea Um, is that we protect reporters in most cases, we should, at least in most cases, protect a reporter from having to cough up the information about his sources, because it's better that the public get the information. And the subpoena that says, come to court and tell us who your source was, who the leaker was, will only discourage, why should the reporter have to give that information? You see, it would only discourage his ability to report to the American people and inform the American people about what's going on. That's the higher value you see here. 
Um, now, and besides, it's the reporter isn't working for government. He didn't have some contractual obligation to keep the secret. It's that clerk who we presume leaked the information. He was working for the Supreme Court. He should be the one who's on the hook for the release of the information. Now, how do we find out who this leaker is? The Supreme Court better be able to do it with their own investigation. I'm not confident at this point that they will be able to do so uh, uh, because I, I'm not sure they did a proper investigation. But uh, be that as it may, it's up to the government to police its own employees about who's leaking. It, the private press should be able to tell us what they learn about what government is doing that we would otherwise not have known, at least at that time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so I've been like to, to the, 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 the pro-Trump or the sort of Trump apologist crowd, I've been sort of playing the role of uh, Schwarzenegger in, in Terminator 2, you know, like I'm back, <laughs> but, this, but this time I'm the good guy. Right. But I mean, I, I yeah, I, I genuinely, uh, yeah, I genuinely wanted to kind of um, find out. Is it? Uh, yes, it, on the face of it, this is a horrible. There's so much wrong with with that clip we just watched. But I, I was just, I'm just kind of, I was struggling with the. Um, isn't there? Isn't there a time and place to subpoena a journalist? And it sounds like you're saying uh, mm -hmm. to subpoena a journalist about a crime of this type where it's not that a nuclear bomb is about to be dropped, but it's just, it's some, it's a completely different uh, type of situation. Uh, the, the sort of violation of the journalists rights and the, the, the interruption to the freedom of, of the press for something like this is, um, is a much bigger uh, threat to Liberty than, uh, than getting that information would justify. Is that, is that kind of, Yes, in a representative democracy, for it to work uh, fairly efficiently, you know, if justice is to be blind, then what we need to know is what's going on in our government. You know, I was a prosecutor, a public prosecutor for almost 18 years, and I was under all kinds of confidentiality rules. If we were engaged in a criminal investigation before we charge someone, we have to keep that secret because it could ruin reputations, it can ruin lives, or it could damage some other criminal prosecution. So I am under strict rules as a prosecutor to not reveal all kinds of information that, I'm, that I get until and unless we file charges and reveal that information in court. Those are good rules. Had I, as a government employee, violated those rules, I should be kicked out of my job, sanctioned, all kinds of other things. Maybe the victim of what I, the confidentiality uh, that I released uh, should be able to sue me or something. Absolutely. But when it comes to the press, they need to know what's going on with those secret things that are going on by the government. And sometimes, whether it's a criminal investigation or a national security issue or war issue, the government has to keep secrets. I'm not opposed to government secrets. I'm not opposed to government enforcing rules against government employees for keeping secrets. But in most cases, uh, the public gets to know what's going on behind the scenes. And if the reporter has been able, sharp enough to figure out what's going on, let him report or she report to the world what's going on, reveal the truth about what's going behind those government closed doors. That's the healthier thing. The, the, disinfection, the disinfecting effect of sunlight, as we put it. But yeah, you've got Donald Trump. Maybe the most disturbing thing is Trump's attitude here. Yeah, the once and future king uh, could be, again, uh, as I say, salivating at the idea that his political opponents in the press, but look at our press today. I mean, you know, 50 years ago, at least there was a pretense at objectivity. Now, if you turn on, depending on the network you turn on, you're, you're going to expect almost political advocacy 
from those networks. Uh, you know, the, the MSNBC and CNN are in my country are absolutely uh, not shy about advocating for the Democratic Party any more than Fox News and Newsmax are uh, shy about advocating for the Republican Party. And you can see it particularly right now as the elections are heating up. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say about the media, you know, the way that Fox News and conservative media were invoking people like Ayn Rand, you know, 10 years ago or whenever that was. Uh, looking back, that that's embarrassing. You know, that's embarrassing. I think the the better among objectivists definitely did not take the bait. Uh, the people like Yaron Brook definitely did not uh, get seduced by Ted Cruz and by. Uh, I mean, he he appeared with Glenn Beck, but he he had no pretense of like, oh, this is this is one of our guys. I think uh, looking back, uh, oh no, all you have to do is Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand was was uh, was used by trashy media to uh, appeal to. Uh, this sort of every man and the populists have since learned that they don't need individualism and and even the constitution to appeal to the populist crowd anymore and uh, i think there are better and worse voices at fox and there are better and worse voices even at cnn uh but you're absolutely right you know one glance at a tucker carlson show or a laura ingram show and you realize these people are not advocates of liberty not friends of objectivism in any way shape or form a few super chats. Marilyn with four dollars. Thank you. Uh, Johnny Spinoza with four ninety nine says, "Bravo, James." Uh, Thank you. And then Phil with twenty pounds says, "Hi, James. Imagine how much easier to enforce D notices, i.e., silences, on the press in an elected dictatorship like the UK." Remember your talk with Graham of Republic UK on the Daily Objective. At least there is a U.S. Constitution. Okay, less of a more of a rhetorical question. Amen, though. <laughs> the idea behind that rhetorical question, all I can say is amen. Unfortunately, Great Britain does not have the free speech protections America does. I mean, it does have some that are a matter of statute, but of course, <laughs> those statutes to be changed by Parliament tomorrow, and they already have uh, fewer protections on free speech in the law. Uh, there's all, I mean, you can be prosecuted for saying the wrong things politically in Great Britain, and that is very disturbing to me once the, the the birthplace of the idea of rights and a rule of the rule of law, the birthplace of representative democracy in the modern world has unfortunately in my mind mm-hmm. done much worse than America in terms of imposing censorship, at least at the margins. Uh, Phil with two pounds then says completely agree that Snowden is a hero. Uh, Jonathan Honig, I think if I'm correct, Trump uh, does not see Snowden the same way. Um, no, Trump, no, like fact, many people, is not not amused by Snowden. Oh no! In fact, there are le- the the party leadership of both parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, would love to see Snowden come back so they could throw him in jail. Oh no, they would love to persecute. Uh, excuse me, prosecute. This is what they would call it, Edward Snowden, for heroically telling us that the government had been systematically lying to us about systematically collecting information about U.S. citizens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's there's a whistle heroic whistleblower, not a a leaker who belongs in prison, in my view, even though that case actually does involve national security on the face of it. So even there, even in those cases, we have to look at them case by case and see, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? We do need objective rules so that we know what's going on beforehand. But the rules should at least take into account the differences between, say, a Snowden or someone who tells Hitler what the day of D-Day is going to be. 
Mm-hmm. Even sense. if somebody, so even if somebody concludes differently about Snowden and they think, you know what, what Snowden did does put people's lives at risk, then he should be prosecuted. Even if someone comes to that conclusion, it should, it should be done with sort of a heavy heart, you know, ra- rather than like gratuitously saying, yeah, let's throw these guys in jail and, and let them be somebody's bride. It's really, uh, right. Disheartening. Exactly. Uh, should be done with a heavy heart. <laughs> That's a well, well good, good way of putting it there. Rucker. Yeah, I agree. Jonathan Honig with 299. Thank you for that. Uh, Phil says with two pounds, couldn't the reporter plead the fifth in court? Yeah, this fifth amendment, I, I feel like I don't hear it about it. And like people should be using it all the time every day. Right. It seems like this uh, get out of jail card. Oh, actually it could be uh, go to jail without saying anything card. Maybe well, you know, but the you, truth you is know about this. It, the truth is in the United States, uh, not only does a, a, a person accused of a crime have a right not to take the stand uh, as the prosecutor, I can't even say, hey, if he's so innocent, how come he didn't take the stand? Hey, how come if he's so innocent, how come he didn't deny this to the cops when he was arrested? No, your, your freedom to take the fifth and not talk if it could, can potentially incriminate you, is, and we let you decide that. But notice what a reporter would have to do. A reporter would have to do, come in and say, yeah, I, I'm a criminal in effect. I would be tending to say I'm a criminal. We, when it comes to other privileges, doctors, priests, lawyers, spousal privilege, we don't require that. What we say is that the relationship is of such importance that the communications between them should remain confidential. That that's the greater value here. Um, so uh, some more super chats to get to in a moment. But uh, so let, let's talk about Trump's sort of relationship with the press. Um, he <laughs> seems to have tapped in, into this uh, feeling and that which has a lot of basis in reality, the, the sort of like Michael Malice perspective, if you're familiar with him, that says, you know, the corporate press is the enemy of the people. So it's whereas maybe historically the press was seen as like an enormous um important, very important thing, like a tool, a sort of defense against the government, a way to, to get the truth out there, but a, a much more, uh, a, a very common, I should say more common, but a very common view these days, certainly on the, the right, certainly on the sort of um, anti-establishment uh, view of uh, side of town. It's like that the, the corporate press or the press is part of, is basically like a wing of the government in some way. They're basically part of the people, part of the, uh, you know, conglomerate of, of entities that are lying to us and manipulating us. And there's a lot of truth to see the press that way. I think as, as you alluded, we get a partisan view from virtually all of the major networks. Well, look at the Hunter 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 Biden story. There we have Mm -hmm. a case where it was pretty clear from the outset that that this was Hunter Biden's laptop. They could easily confirm it or not. No one in the press was particularly interested in confirming it, you know, in the the major media. And the government was telling them, look, this could be Russian disinformation. And, you know, you've got, uh, you know, the CEO of Facebook coming in and saying, hey, I got a heads up from the FBI saying beware of this as Russian disinformation. So that's why social media, you know, Twitter and Facebook suppressed the Hunter Biden story, which, of course, turned out to be perfectly correct. So is the government working in collusion with the major media and social media to suppress the story? Well, they did suppress the story, but then you ask yourself, hey, wait a minute, to what extent was the social media and the press themselves simply taken in? What's interesting is that the New York Post and Fox News wasn't taken in. They reported the story 
of social media and the left-wing press was completely taken in. But on the other hand, you had every national security figure from the Obama administration saying it was Russian disinformation, lying, knowing they were lying. Men like Brennan and stuff, who were the top national security advisors to Obama, simply lied to the world and said it was Russian disinformation. We now know it was, in fact, Hunter Biden's laptop, full of all kinds of suspicious information. So the part that really bothers me is when there's threats and we've reached a point where social media is under a degree of threat from the government or is getting special privileges from the government. When that happens, then government has gotten into the bed with the uh, what should be private media, social media and the press, to an extent that what we're entering now is a semi-censorship uh, of gray area where we're starting down that slippery slope towards censorship because the press or the social media are now doing the government's bidding because they're under threat or being offered some special privilege. And those things are absolutely starting to happen. So again, we've started down this semi-fascist road of censorship uh, in a very disturbing way. And it appears that both sides in their own ways are cheering it on. And that's how I interpret this statement we just heard from Trump. In effect, he too is cheering on the prosecution, the political prosecution of reporters that he disagrees with. Um, yeah, and even if the government isn't uh, doing giving special favors to the press, to the particular uh, press uh, institutions, uh, a lot of people have good reason to see the press as being partisan or just uh, dishonest and... <laughs> <laughs> but do we but but do but do we want to get to a place where uh where we we have we put all of our faith all of our eggs in the basket of trusting any particular president or or whoever even if you think Trump is like just magically the most competent and honest man of the people as people see him like oh this, this is the one guy we can trust they think the guy who's blatantly like admits he's he's full of it um the, he, but he's the guy we can trust even if you like, do you really just want to hand it all over to uh, to the government, basically? So ironically enough, because people don't think very critically, they don't think clearly, they're, they're not philosophical. They don't have a clear view of what the government should be. Or in the case of, you know, the anarchists, um, the people with anarchist premises uh, and influences, they see government as such as wrong. So yeah, weaken the government, but it gets to the point where they're basically giving more power to the government because they're so <laughs> resentful of the media. So there, it's uh, this is why people need philosophy. They need they need exactly. to be critical and and integrated. Exactly, exactly. this 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 eternal demonization, this war of words, this emotionalist. You know, this guy's Hitler. No, you're Hitler. No, you're Hitler. It, it, it is a way of avoiding and evading an uh, an ideological debate, a principle debate, which is really where this should be. These issues should be fought over and decided. Uh, what is the line? at which pre a member of the press uh, can be ordered to come into court and give the information. Uh, you know, when is a national security issue, say, of such importance that we would force the reporter to cough up that information? In my case, in my view, it's clearly not the Dobbs case, uh, whatever Trump is saying. And even if I agree with uh, the, the ideas behind the leaker, uh, I don't agree with the Dobbs case. <laughs> it's not because I oppose Trump on that that I would say I'm opposing Trump here is because I want the, the press to be able to report the truth to the American people. And I want the American people to know what's really going on in government as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marilene with $3. Thank you for that. Uh, Justin with 199 says updated thoughts on Kanye. He doubled down. 
So uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I do see Kanye West as like, or yay, as he's called uh, now, um, he's, a, he's a symptom. He is a reflection of the ideas in the culture. So the, the free form, just like lack of discipline in the way he thinks and what he conclusion he, he comes to in real time. Uh, that's, I mean, we've been educated to think that way, and he's a reflection of that. And if you watch his recent conversation from yesterday with Lex Fridman, this, uh, I mean, it's very interesting. I, I, I listened to it yesterday. Um, Kanye West says early in the interview, he says, the only thing we should teach in school is engineering. We shouldn't teach history. We shouldn't teach things that are subjective. Do you catch that? History, history, he says, is subjective, but engineering is objective. And... Of course, again, but but we know Kanye is just one of many, many people who sees the world that way. He's just one of the few who's like putting it that way. So, I mean, you hear, listen to Dugan, Putin's uh, philosopher friend. He says, yeah, everything's subjective. If he, Dugan said, if you accuse Ukraine, if you accuse Russia of invading Ukraine, then I'll accuse America of invading Russia. That's what he says. Whatever you accuse Russia of, I'll, I'll accuse America of because all we have is our subjective experience. And of course, Lex Fridman in the interview was pushing back, saying, no, 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 the Holocaust is objectively, it happened, it's objectively bad. So when it comes to atrocities, we believe in objectivity. But when it comes to experience and values, that's all subjective. So the positive is subjective, but the bad is ob can at times be objective. You see that Kanye is, uh, he, he, he arrived to where he currently is, I think because of the philosophical influences in the culture. And until we deal with the with that, the latter, you know, we can we, there's no sense getting so outraged at Kanye West. Uh, he really is just a he reflection, is a symptom and a reflection and a voice. Of, I mean, he makes, you know, backwards and unintentionally, he makes a, a valid observation insofar as the, you know, say engineering and the physical sciences is more objective by far than the humanities and social sciences. The humanities and social sciences are in a comparative mess compared to the physical sciences. That, however, does not mean that there isn't an objective science in, in uh, the humanities and social sciences to be crafted out. In fact, if, if we can't obtain objective knowledge in philosophy, then we can't obtain objective knowledge anywhere else. Uh, but you're right, he's just a, the, so the outrageous things he says are really just a reflection of the outrageous things going on in our deeper culture and a reflection of the philosophical corruption that he's in a sort of backhanded way acknowledging. Yeah, and people are happy in most cases to agree with him that yeah, everything's subjective, right? History is written by the victors. But then when he says what he says, he he says that uh, yeah, sure, the there's the Holocaust, and that but then he says us black people, we're, we've got a Holocaust right now. The Planned Parenthood, right? They're aborting us. Half half of half of my people, he says, as a black man, are being <laughs> murdered. So to compare so, so the voluntary abortions of pregnant women to a Holocaust, though, is outrageous on the face of it. <laughs> but but yeah, if you don't see, but that's so true. The truth uh, is a contextual matter. And if I say everyone's got a right to life, right? What do you mean by a right to life? I could agree with that in the Jeffersonian sense, but if you mean in that in the way abortion, uh, you know, people who oppose abortion say, or the way people advocate socialized medicine say everyone has a right to life, context determines meaning and only philosophy uh, can help us there with that context. So yeah, this is once more an object lesson in the vital importance of philosophy. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Um, Marilyn, who's been a member for seven months, says, is Trump the only candidate Biden could beat? Also, Snowden is a hero. Yeah, Snowden uh, is a hero. <laughs> but any is thoughts Trump- on... Oh, please, Republican Party, do not. I mean, I have problem. (laughs) The truth of the matter, of course, is you can't get the Republican nomination for being president unless you're anti-abortion and you uh, give the obeisance to the religious right. And that's an unfortunate thing with national Republican Party at the national level right there. Um, I'd like to see the Republicans probably take Congress this time because I like divided government. I think we often get the best results when the White House is in one party and the Congress is in another party. That the sort of gridlock is, I think, good good for spending, good, good for not getting anything done. Uh, and so I, I think I'd rather see divided government come November. But that's my basic re- rationale there. Um, Trump yeah. being nominee in, in a couple of years that frightens me above. Uh, just about any other nominee out there. So uh, yeah, Republican Party, do yourself a favor and not please nominate someone else, even though I'm not very sanguine on the possibility of a, of a Republican national candidate that I could be enthusiastic about either. Uh, but look, Biden is sure screwing you know everything up. <laughs> There's a little doubt about that in my mind. You know, he accuses the Republicans of being semi-fascist as he's moving government in a semi-fascist direction. You know, the truth behind what he says is that both sides, in my view, are pushing us. We're not there yet, but both sides are in a fiery, uh, maybe unrealistic rhetoric. But the realistic part is that both sides are pushing us in that direction. That's for sure. Yeah, God help us all. Uh, Marilyn with $2 says, Snowden is a good guy. More data required for a hero. Uh, so and, I've not paid super close attention to Snowden. I've always had a little bit more of a lukewarm view of him. I, I, I guess I support his leaking of the information about the NSA. But beyond that, I kind of like I kind of see him as sort of um, sort of a representative of the times we live in. And as soon as he started get, giving interviews, whenever it was 10 years ago, he was saying things like, oh, America's just as bad as Al Qaeda. You know, we kill people. Right. He said he he was asked, what's your favorite book? And I think he said, like, the Internet is my favorite book. So he's kind of to me, he's sort of like part of the the uh, he's an ingredient in in the Trump soup. You know, he's part of it. He reflects this sort of time we live in when people are just so like him, Kanye West and Donald Trump should all do a (laughs) podcast together. You know, it's like um, but but, I mean, not not take away from his actions, which uh, I think we agree was uh, was the right thing to do. See, that's it. You have to parse these issues out. And again, we, you can't do that without a philosophy, <laughs> without principles based in reality uh, and consistently applied. <laughs> Can we even understand these issues? No, I'm not endorsing Edward Snowden's philosophy or various other things. I'm not even endorsing whatever his own personal motive might have been. It just seems to me that I was grateful for the information uh, that he provided that uh, the government was lying to us about spying on its own people. That's really what it comes down to for me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in conclusion about uh, Trump and the media, I mean, clearly he has no respect for uh, rule of law in general. He, he kind of reflects this sharp turn away from having any respect for like due process and checks and balances. He's an expedient uh, type of Fragmented. person, like pragmatist. Just, he is you know, taking don't think public about pragmatism to a new height, in my view. Ugly. Yeah. 
the uh, the new right or the sort of the people who like Trump, they tend to say, look, Republicans, they were too principled in the past. Uh, one 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 is left to wonder what Republicans would have been like the last 50 years <laughs> if they weren't too principled. Right. Um, but, uh, but they say, <laughs> what a compromising me too and coward look like. <laughs> so. <laughs> Basically, they're saying, you know, Republicans, they were too, they were so principled that they stuck to their stupid principles and they got defeated. So now it's time for a guy who's not going to be the way Biden is attacking the current Republicans. Let's see, was his current current word salad, mega, uh, uh, mega, maga, trickle down, whatever his current uh, slogan is, uh, as if as if Trump represents freedom in the free market. You know, the, the code word trickle down means free market, right? And so if right. only Trump were a free market. No, 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 no. Uh, Trump, if Trump is free market, then, you know, uh, the worst kind of labor Democrat uh, is free market uh, because he and, basically is. And you see who, who Trump is uh, casting as the bad guy. He's uh, the, the, the free press. Um, the uh, hedge fund managers he's talked about, the people who want to move their plant to Mexico, uh, his, his demonization of China, as much as there may be a lot wrong with China and a lot of crimes they're committing, nonetheless, his, his wholesale sort of uh, um, out like demonization of China is largely a demonization of, of the good stuff that have developed in China. That is the elements to which they've allowed free trade and, and business. So I mean, Trump is definitely um, the anti-capitalist Republican. I think he's largely um, helped Republicans get rid of any um, oh, yeah. any any sort of um, uh, duty they have felt to be pro-market. He's definitely moved away from that decisively well, and explicitly. Before Trump, the Republican Party at least gave lip service to international free trade. And with Trump, it just he just threw in the towel. He said tariffs, not just on China, but tariffs on our allies like Canada and Mexico and the European Union. If you're advocating putting, a, putting tariffs on our allies like that, where there is the, not even an intellectual property theft or a national security issue or a, a moral issue because it's a dictatorship, then you've just thrown in the towel entirely. The Republican, there is no political party in America that advocates free trade anymore, not even lip service. Yeah. And giving incentives to certain industries is is uh, it's it's like putting more tax burden or, or, or a handicap on other industries and other businesses. Uh, so in another way that in principle, it's no different than the uh, Democrats industrial policy where they help green and industries. Is it? It's only his. No. Vision. Right. And uh, I mean, Republicans are, the, are I mean, they want there's sort of a, a pattern through through history of like Republicans just being former Democrats. And, yeah. and at, at this point, the only difference between Republicans and Democrats is that the Democrats are sort of uh, paying allegiance to the woke doctrine as it as it is. And the Republicans are, I guess, they're into Trump like that's their the symbol of what they believe. Nationalism. It's just absolutely Economic nationalism. Nationalism, I think, is seizing yeah. hold. Unfortunately, kind of populist nationalism is seizing hold of a good deal of the Republican Party. Certainly the most uh, fierce Trump advocates are, are that way. They are naked in their pragmatism, naked in their opposition to the free market. And they want a strong leader and they want economic nationalist policies like those tariffs we were talking about or uh, anti-immigration policy that would keep a peaceful, law-abiding people who just want to come into this country to work out. So it's that kind of nationalism and immigration and trade policy is an ugly, ominous uh, indicator 
of a definitely uh, negative turn in uh, the Republican Party, in my view. Well, this is depressing, but uh, there to, is, to bring everyone down on that. <laughs> but in, in, a, in an age where everyone's focused on the negative, uh, you know, this network and this people who like this philosophy have a solution, which is the philosophy. Philosophy as such, um, you know, speaking again of Kanye West and his sort of spirit animal Donald Trump, the way I see it, um, <laughs> you know. The, the, the problems we see around us are largely uh, due to philosophical influences in the culture through history and to this day. And if the more people read Ayn Rand and embrace her philosophy for selfish reasons, the sooner uh, this culture, this country and the world can move in a more positive direction. So everybody, uh, please read Ayn Rand and consider supporting the network. Hit the join button. Leave a super thanks on the video. Uh, James, always a pleasure. Hope to uh, chat with you again soon. Hopefully, not uh, reviewing more bad Quite news. So depressing. I, I, I have a feeling. Uh, I have a feeling we haven't heard the last of Trump. So maybe we can uh, oh, bash him no. some more sometime. Yeah, he basically announced he's running for president again. So he has he basically, or he's strong. He's he, he didn't make an official announcement, but he implied in his last speech, mm -hmm. uh, "You should expect him running," and I think that's probably true anyway. So uh, Trump is not we, the Republican Party has not gotten rid of their Trump problem by now as means. he's being uh, subpoenaed. Can they uh, can they sort of um, make him testify at his inauguration about January 6th? <laughs> they sort of, um, well, there's a there's a thing. What well, you know, what if someone leaks the stuff that was found at Mar-a-Lago and that uh, search warrant? And frankly, there are still some open questions about that. Would Trump want those reporters who leak the truth right. about some top secret uh, national security documents? document being found there thrown in prison yeah. is trump the only one allowed to compromise uh national secrets and take them inappropriately keep them and share them inappropriately is it i mean the answer is yes in his mind He's apparently, the only one yes. to, uh, <laughs> apparently um, what's what he was complaining about with hillary clinton doesn't apply to him so mm -hmm. it depends on what the, the uh, obviously but the other day, some people were tweeting about how Trump's uh, air, airplane was spotted on the tarmac, something like that, like implying he could be trying to flee the country now that he's uh, being subpoenaed. And I was thinking, like, Trump's the one fugitive who America would just not try to chase. Like, right, so long. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you in the rear, kid. <laughs> right. Like, uh, right. <laughs> all right. Let's call it a wrap. We're out of time. Okay. Coming up. Coming up today at 7 p.m. UK time in just a few minutes, it's the Fountainhead Book Club with Shoshana Milgram open to ARC UK members. And the session will also be live streamed to YouTube members. So if you're not a member, now is the time. Yeah. All right. Sure. Have a great day. Thanks, James. Bye, everybody.